The Gospel Shaped Home Podcast is a family discipleship resource from Providence Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina that aims to equip you and your family to be on mission with God to the end of the street and the ends of the earth. Welcome back to another episode of Gospel Shaped Home. Andy Owens here, pastor of Family Discipleship, and once again, I am joined by my brother, Brian Nelson. Brian? Hey, Andy. Hey, it's been a long time since we've actually sat down in here and done any recording. I'm glad to be back in here with you. Exciting. Yeah, uh, and we are not joined by anyone else. It's just Brian and I, and today we're talking about chapter 12 of Dave Harvey's book, I Still Do, When Grace Conquers Your Wasted Moments. So this book is all about defining moments Mm. for marriage, um, and now we're talking about wasted moments. But before (laughs) we do, um, let's, let's even just kind of quick recap, like, uh, not that we'd walk through all the chapters, but like, what's the big idea with defining moments in marriage through the years, bro? Yeah, I, uh, just that there's there's a reality that there are um, there are markers in our life uh, that are um, that are incredibly defining of our earthly lives. In particular, I mean, he's applying it to marriage, right? right. In the context of marriage, and so uh, to recognize the reality of those moments, the everyday, the everyday life is the day-to-day. I mean, most of our life is spent in the day-to-day, right? It's the... The, the mundane. The, right, the minutiae yeah. of just normal life. But there are things that happen that are very defining. And uh, the, the hope of the book is that we would see that the gospel matters in those moments, that we would not become um, narcissistic in our thinking or even in our um, in our in the community of our marriage in a way that would rob us of seeing the work of Christ in the application of grace at those moments yeah and I think of uh, you know even the the nested circles diagram mm-hmm. that we talked about from David Paulison and just how um, how complex we are as human beings created in the image of God we have you know, um, we we are um, yes, we are hearts that that were fallen into sin, redeemed by grace. But we're also embodied, and we're also right. socially embedded, and we're also um, spiritually embattled. And all of this is under the providence of God. And and so, just recognizing that marriage to another sinner, redeemed by grace, embodied and socially embedded, and spiritually embattled, and under the providence of God is. It is a, a wildly complex thing, right. and we need the wisdom and the grace of God ultimately to love one another well, but how we respond to some of the challenges that God in his wise providence ordains for our lives is going to shape the health and the durability of our marriage, and ultimately yeah. it's a call to again remember remember again and again God's rich grace in Jesus, to look to him, to listen to his voice, to trust him, and to respond with things like forgiveness and love, and to right. cultivate trust, um, to bear with one another. So, um, anything else? Just think no. about recap. I mean, no, that's yeah. that's a great summary of it. Well, the the reality of this last chapter, I think, is really helpful. Is you know, uh, there are lots of moments that are past in all of our lives, no matter how old we are, what stage we're at, and many of them are wasted. Like, we didn't make the right, right. choices. We didn't trust God for His grace. Um, and that's what this chapter is about. Um, but he it has a weird title, title, namely, it has a Russian name in it that I don't even know if I can pronounce properly, but the <laughs> death of Ivan or Ivan Illich. 
Illich? Illich. I think that's right. Okay. Uh, why does he talk about this novella from Count Leo Tolstoy? And who is Ivan? What's the point? Yeah, uh, so it's uh, it's a story. I've, I've not read the book. I'm I'm pulling from me neither the, here, but but I yeah, want to now, summary. right? Yeah, uh, but it it's a story of a man who uh, probably we're more like than we care to admit, who has lived for the world, uh, lived for his own fame, uh, uh, the common man who makes everything about his own advancement. And he's not like some wildly famous. He's no, a normal no, middle a normal, class. That's right. Self-absorbed, self-absorbed person. man who yeah. whose entire life is self-absorbed. Uh, so it it what happens is he finds that he's self-absorbed even in the context of his marriage. Uh, it his marriage is convenient until it isn't. Uh, is is what Dave says. And it drives him <laughs> it, to isolation. And it does. He so he shuts himself down. He instead of addressing it head on or even looking inward to see how he's contributed that the problem is always external to him and he he shuts himself down from it and really the book i think is written primarily from the 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 vast majority of the book is written from his perspective because he's dying uh and um from from uh from something that we're never told what it is but he is convinced that it's going to kill him and ultimately he does he in the book he he dies, but um, but it's his the death of Ivan. That's right. is the death <laughs> it gives it book. away, yeah. right? Uh, but but he but but uh, so what happens is it is a reflection of life, and I would argue the absurdity of living self-absorbed. Yeah, um, and and he calls it the uh, gray twilight of an unexamined. Life yeah. is the textbook example of a wasted <laughs> life, and it doesn't come from evil, right? right. But from ambivalence mm. towards his wife, his family, mm. and others. He's just this kind of, you know, uh, everything is about what do th- people think of me? How do I, um, how do I garner applause or praise or approval? And um, yeah, and then but the reality is when death hits, he, this illustration was dynamite. He said it's it's like a hurricane of truth making landfall, <laughs> and there are going to be consequences to right. pay. And and so that's when he comes to um, actually examine his life. Um, right. Is it the, when the sting of death comes and he's in absolute terror? Right, um, because he suddenly asks the question. Have I, in in a sense, have I been living life upside down? Everything that I thought was important was it actually not? The things that I ignored were they what mattered? And um, yeah, and so he's he's in he's despondent, he's in despair, he's literally like screaming out in in agony um, for like three days. Yeah. Um, it seems like, but. Um, the story, uh, obviously, there is a redemptive person uh, purpose to the story. Uh, his wife um, pleads with him to take communion. She wants him to, in a, it's a sense, a re- called a return to Christ. He sees his son suffering uh, on his behalf and actually feels some measure of pity for the first time. And so there's this kind of, uh, you know, presumed conversion experience in right. in this last moment. So what Dave Harvey does is he connects this to a biblical character. Right. <laughs> so uh so he connects this to the the thief on the cross or yeah. to the story of of both of the thieves on the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh and and he uh it's so there in in Matthew and he talks about the reality that death 
brings uh, life into focus, and there there are two ways to respond. In a sense, right? I mean, in in the in the story that we have recorded in the gospel, uh, it shows two ways to respond. One uh, to be the thief who um, perseveres in mocking. He's re- he's railing against everything. He can't recognize God even when he's right beside him. That's right. I think how they said it, yeah. Uh, Or the other, who even though his life, for all intents and purposes, uh, is, is at this point wasted, and gone, right? I mean, he's he's being punished for a crime that he committed. And guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. Uh, he comes to recognize Jesus and um, doesn't rail against him, but pleads with him. Remember me when yeah. you come into your kingdom. Yeah, well, he, uh, even before that, said... To the other thief, don't you fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? This is Luke 23. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, Mm. he pleads. Um, And the response is why this is also significant. Jesus said today, Mm. truly, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And so... Uh, the point is that the grace of God in Christ is so rich and so lavish that someone who has spent a life of God-belittling neglect, of sin and of disobedience, of whatever this man's life was filled with that would lead him to uh, ultimately a death sentence and shame and, and this brutal suffering of death on a cross— that even in that moment, the grace of God can reach him and rescue him. It is uh, God's arm is not so short that he can't save even from this this moment, this point. Yeah, and Harvey says, I mean, he he says, is grace really powerful enough to snatch someone from the consequences of a life of crime, insanity, and absurd, self centered stupidity? Can Jesus save someone from the just penalty? of a wasted life, or perhaps the question we really need to answer is, should he, right? Should Jesus save that way? Yeah. Which is utterly incredible, right? Like, um, because the answer is, I mean, from a human standpoint, no, (laughs) he shouldn't, right? Right. Uh, But It defies uh, logic. It it, It defies our fallen impulses to that's not, no, fair. It's not right. right. Uh, but the other side of that assumes, oh, but I, because I have <laughs> right. deserved something, I've done better than that, so right. I deserve more. Right. Um, which is where Dave goes with the parable of the um, the workers in the vineyard. I, I don't yeah. know, eleventh hour workers. Yeah. Uh, you want to? Yeah. So a guy comes. He hires workers at the beginning of the day. They agree to work for a certain amount of money, a, a day's wage, right? right. Uh, and then uh, he sees halfway through the day that it, the, the task is not going to be completed. So he goes back and he hires additional guys. And then at the very last of the day, uh, in order for the work to be completed, he goes back again and he hires uh, additional workers. And they come in, and and then the day is over. 
and the workers are being paid. And and the, he starts with the, he the starts ones hired with the one, last who work right. for an hour and gives them a day's wage. And so the assumption made by the other workers, in particular the ones hired at the beginning of the day, works is for twelve hours. Oh, yeah, for the heat of the day, we'll, we're going to get more than a day's wage. Right. And yet, when the when the vineyard owner comes to them, he gives them a day's wage, mm-hmm. and they rebel in frustration out of this acclamation of "That's unfair." Yeah, <laughs> they. Um... You've made them equal to us, we who've borne the burden of the day. They only worked an hour. How could you do this? And the response of the owner is, why uh, can't I do as I choose with what belongs to me, or do you begrudge my generosity? Right yeah. there. Uh, and so the, I think, I remember actually, I was a new believer just after my freshman year in college. I was on Summer Project in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, we were studying Transforming Grace by Jerry Bridges, and one of our lessons was on this passage. Like We were talking through this passage together, and another guy, a believer, a brother, who is also you know, uh, growing and, and still fairly immature in his faith and understanding of the gospel, he, when we read this parable, he's like, no, like that's wrong. They, that's wrong. Like he can't, like they can't get this same thing. They just worked one hour, and that it's like, wait, bro, the, the point is that we are all like the 11-hour workers. None of us have actually deserved anything. Right. God has given us, I mean, we have deserved something, and that's wrath, wrath right. it's his judgment. But God has given us such lavish mm-hmm. grace. And and whether it's, um, you know, we came at the uh, 12th hour, the 9th uh, hour, the, you know, whatever, uh, all the different times of day that, that people started working, we, all we have um, comes from his his gracious hand and gift, and so, um, and he's and right and and not just like uh, oh well we worked and we got what no the point is look at his generosity yes he didn't have to hire anybody right like at the end of the day yeah, this is a parable God didn't right? need anyone to come do his work right this right. is only him right. like overflowing the, with goodness the, the generosity. In the uh, the hope of the gospel, I, I, th- I think the hope of the gospel and the scandal of grace is that he would extend it, right? And that's what Harvey is saying. Like, like at the end of a like at the end of a wasted life, that it is almost unbelievable that God would say it can be redeemed. That's right. And the point, like why it's so important now, uh, is that you know maybe some of our listeners have read through this book or they've heard an episode or two of this, and they're they're feeling this sense, this sting of shame, yeah. of or of failure, or of of despair. Of like, I, look where we are because of decisions I've made, or because of um, you know. And what he's saying is, there's there is hope Man. in abundance. In Christ, um, so much so that I think the appeal of the gospel in the scriptures is there is nothing beyond the application of grace. Wherever you are, whatever you've done, um, the kindness of God can reach you. Can reach you. That's right. And 
the so to kind of use the theme of the book, you know, I still do right. growing closer and stronger through life's defining moments. Um, he kind of puts it under this gospel heading uh, and and says, ultimately, uh, when Jesus said, it is finished from a blood-spattered cross at Golgotha, it was the ultimate defining That's moment. Right. Jesus lived a perfect life. He died the death we deserve. He rose from the grave on the third day and calls us to trust him and to turn back to God through faith in him so that he can free us from the prison of a wasted life. We don't have to stay in captivity to mistakes and failures of our past, right? Grace wins. Yes. And, and whatever, whatever is there, uh, in in our lives, the, of the defining moments, depending on where we are in age and 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 uh, and the number of years we've been married, how we respond to this defining moment, right, to the cross of Christ, right, <laughs> has the ability to shape all of them, and it also has the ability to redeem it, even if we've wasted it. That's right. That's right. So. You're a good sign that you're rightly sharing, proclaiming, teaching, understanding the gospel mm-hmm. is that you might feel this this question of, well, then is this just like an invitation to like sin that grace may <laughs> abound and just say, well, well that's what Paul right. like addresses in right. Romans. And so, um, you know, Harvey addresses it here. It's not um, an invitation to say, "Oh well, I don't I have do to do whatever I want." Yeah, right? I don't have to be right. intentional or to <laughs> seek to trust God and and move towards my spouse and sacrifice because in the end, grace is going to win. Grace, when we understand it and rest in it, does change us. Right? It trains us to live godly lives, to deny our old selves, and to live in a new way. And so, on near the end of the chapter, he he kind of talks about some of how grace reorients our perspective practically. First thing he says is that it contends for our holiness. It contends for our holiness, right? And and I think what he's getting at is it it helps us remember that God is sanctifying us and that marriage, he uses our relationship and our spouse to expose dross, to chip away rough edges. Um, and so we... Uh, we need to recognize that uh, that God is often using our spouse for this good and glorious purpose. That's right in our life. <clears throat> Their brokenness to shape us, and our brokenness to shape them. And and that whole socially embedded thing, like we're <laughs> we're in a really close relationship with another person who's still undergoing this gracious process of sanctification, and and God uses that significantly. He yeah. purposes that in His wisdom, and He has. He has, um, yeah, he's created us in a sense to complement one another and to help and to refine one another in ways that we may not ever have expected. And so it it should lead us to patience with one another, but also a zeal to look in and to say, God, what are you calling me to repent of yes. now? Uh, not to look and to cast blame and say, look at this woman you've given me or this man you've given me. Um but rather, God, how are you? What are you exposing in me 
through these problems in our marriage right now. And that's really what he says. Secondly, right, grace intercepts our isolation and moves us to confession. So our sinful response to those realities in our life or the, or the life of our spouses is to go inward, right, to turn to ourselves, uh, to so in, in some ways to wall off. And uh, and he says— Other people and the Lord. That's right. Yeah. And, and he says, no, 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 right? Grace actually helps to meet us in those places to move us to something specific— confession. And he, and he says in that little section, there is no need to wait until death to confess sin and find peace. Grace is an open invitation to admit our need. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And the last thing he says is that grace wins mm-hmm. so we can put aside our performance. This is ultimately, it's like we don't have to uh, be driven by ambition. We don't have to sacrifice true priorities for the sake of ambition. And I mean, it's, it's really a, a just, it's a call to believe that mm. um, the only way to really keep your life forever is to lose it in this world. Mm. Um, like Jesus says, the one who loves his life will lose it, but the one who lo- hates and lays down in, uh, his life in this world will gain it forever. Um, and so uh, it's better to give than to receive. The yeah. way up is down. This is the way of the cross. This is marriage shaped by the gospel. So uh, he ends the very last, you know, the last stool section of the last, uh, this last chapter is about how there is an ultimate defining moment uh, and that we are all um, moving towards. And that should not terrify us if we are in Christ. That right. should actually embolden and empower us because what justification, the, the, the reality that God in Christ forgives us our sins and clothes us with the righteousness of his son, mm. the Bible's teaching is that he does that freely by, by grace through faith as an act of God at a moment in time, and it is the just it is the um, the judgment of the future, right? God's verdict for eternity brought forward into the present, declared over us here and now, and so it should it should free us to live uh, in lives of sacrificial love and of confidence that we are forgiven, we are declared righteous, we are accepted in Christ, and we don't need to work for anyone's approval because God has already given us His, and so let's move towards one another in love. Yeah. Let's. Yeah, so whether you've been married one year or 50 years, this is true. Amen. Right? Yeah. The gospel has the power. It's true for those in Christ. In Christ. Just say that. that it's it's that, not universally true. It's true fair. for those who have repented yes. and believed. It's, yes. I feel like it's important to always say that. But yes, yeah. this is, if you're in Christ, this is reality. Yeah. And we have to learn to live in that reality. Well, we, we do, right? And when we will, when we do, uh, then we see the joy of the effects of it. Um, and we can look at our lives not as wasted, uh, but as pointing toward the thing that matters the most. Yeah. Okay, brother. This has been good. Uh, any final just closing thoughts uh, for our listeners on how to let the gospel and the hope of the gospel shape our marriage? Man, I just uh, be persistent. Pursue Jesus. Like, I, I, I'm, you know, for all of the good that's in this book, in the end, it comes down to fixing our eyes on Christ. Um, I, I, I just, I, I'm convinced that there is, there is no other hope, yeah. and um, I'm, uh, I'm grateful because I need regular reminders of it. 
both in those moments that have not yet come, like for Ellie and I, uh, the defining moments, and when I look back and I see the moments that I've wasted. Yeah. Because I have. Yeah. We all have. Well, uh, thank you, brother. Appreciate it. It's yeah. been a it's been good uh, series, and to you, our listeners, I hope that you've been encouraged uh, both uh, today and and with this episode, but also just in general as we've thought through um, this uh, th- this book. I still do talk with uh, folks here in the church, and um, but hope ultimately that you are resting in that uh, that lavish grace, that rich love of God, uh, mm-hmm. that would not withhold his only son, but deliver him up to death for us all, for our joy in him, for our reconciliation with him. And uh, we hope and pray that that will shape and define the way you relate to your spouse and your kids and everyone else in your life. So thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Shaped Home Podcast, produced by Providence Baptist Church of Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and resources from Providence, visit us online at pray.org. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts.